It's Pete Norset here, and welcome to another Trade on Sports and Focused on Football Betting podcast. It's Christmas Eve, and I'm joined uh, by Jimmy Kempton. How are you doing, Jimmy? Yeah, excellent. Thanks, Peter. Have you got your list out for Santa and your uh, carrot and your glass of wine or whatever you drink down in Peterborough? Probably yeah. a iron brew or special brew, whatever you have. Certainly have. And, uh, well, it, it's, uh, I'll say, hopefully it's going to be a, a little bit of a better uh, festive period than it was last year. But Yeah, we'll I mean, all I'd like for Christmas, Pete, is lots of uh, negative COVID tests for these Premier League players. It's beginning to grind on me now. And uh, I see there's two games gone, isn't there, that I'm sure we'll touch on. But it uh, wouldn't surprise me if those teams who are set to play the teams who get a day off on Boxing Day suddenly don't mysteriously get some test results back that works in their favour. Yeah, it, it's... Well, I mean, well, we can get on... Am I, am I just being cynical there, do you think? And in the first game that we'll be covering, um, obviously Benitez has been saying that he's surprised that you know that they're 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 playing and and whatever. So I think there could be some skullduggery. I mean, Peterborough. I was going to go to um, the game on Boxing Day, but that's been cancelled. But obviously, Darren McAntony, the Peterborough owner, has been saying, you know, we, we've got forty players available. It's a lot of COVID positives, isn't it? That that you have to have to get down to fourteen players or whatever. It is. I'm not quite sure what you've all been up to down in Peterborough. I think I'm going to keep away, mate. No, no, we're all right. It's them. <laughs> oh, sorry, sorry. So, yeah, but it's... Peterborough's still not high on my list, Pete, until we have our usual summer catch-up. You know, when we look at this, if you if you look at it, the, the you know, championship, well, that's nearly decimated, isn't it? There's, there's about five or six games on that. League one, Again, four, four or five matches. League two, uh, you know, four, four games. But then, you know, when you look at the the national league, you know, there's only one postponed. It's peculiar. But then again, it's a different, you know. Who knows? But what it what it does suggest, I don't know in terms of how many, quite a few of those national league teams are professional, though, aren't they? But yeah. are they being tested as much, or are they just not mixing with each other as much? It's you know, we're nearly two years into this now and, and I'm not sure anybody's really any closer, really, in terms of sort of understanding how it affects sort of sports teams and people in general in terms of the spread. I just do my best to keep away from people, Pete, and I think yeah, they well, appreciate it. <laughs> on uh, on uh, Boxing Day, I, I'm actually, we're going to a game, we're going to Kings Lynn against Notts County, but I was quite surprised at the prices. You know, in the main stand, Kings Lynn, £26. Jesus Christ, 26 quid to get to Kings Lynn. Yeah, it's unbelievable, isn't it? I thought they had some money there, owner. Maybe, maybe I've got that wrong, but yeah. I mean, but you know, big game, boxing days. People like to get out of the house after a full day at home with the family. But, so, but hope that, you have a good day. I'm hoping to go and see Lincoln against the MK Dons. Well, that's the, well. I was going to say though, that is their normal price, 26 quid. Their, their season tickets are over 500 pounds. Wow. Mine's less than 400 to watch League One football, Pete. Yeah, that's it's unbelievable, isn't it? It is unbelievable. That, so the Kings Lynn season ticket's about the same as Peterborough's. Crikey, it's not exactly the most affluent area in the world, is No, it? no, no. But there you go. We shall see. I, I'll, I'll let you know what it's like. And uh... <laughs> Yes, well, I hope, you, I hope you enjoy a good game, mate. Yeah. 
Right, uh, let's get on with it then. Burnley, Everton. Uh, recent head-to-heads, Burnley have won three. There's been one draw, Everton have won one. At home to mid-table size, Burnley's record's not bad. One four, drawn three, lost three. Could offer a, a nil-nil draw at home with West Ham. Everton away at bottom six sides. It's a good record. One five, drawn four, lost one. Could offer one old draw away at Chelsea. Burnley... They've only lost one of their last seven. So they're in some, you know, reasonable form at the moment. Everton, one point from their last five away. So they, they really are falling off the cliff. Bottom six against mid-table sides. 286 games over the last five years. 94 home wins, 80 draws, 112 away wins. You know, it goes without saying Everton are the value here. You know, plus a quarter goal. They are in poor form. I am going to to, to leave this though. But, but I think Everton are reasonable value here. Do you know what, Pete? I'm almost tempted to sort of take the home side here because this is going to be a really important game for them. Sean Dyche will have sort of targeted this game. And actually, Burnley's record at home over the last few seasons, the bottom half finishing teams, isn't isn't bad. They've won 25, drawn 10 and lost 12 of 49 games in this spot. Let's be honest, this is where Everton are going to finish. They're going to be a bottom half side. They are... Too inconsistent to finish anywhere sort of tenth or above, and Benitez is get, trying to get his violin out, moaning about sort of playing. And now whether that's whether that's a like you say a bit of school duggery and trying to get the upper hand, but I think this will be one of those games where there's a really good atmosphere at Turf Moor. It's a difficult venue. You've got to be really resilient and collective when you go there to come away with a, with any kind of result. It's just a little bit too short for me, Pete. If I was looking to try and take Burnley, I'll probably possibly look at the winter nil, which you can get at five to two. And um, because we all know the modus operandi of how Sean Dyche will look to win this game, look to keep it tight, be very structured, difficult to break down and nick the game. But yeah, uh, I'm quite surprised, Pete. Can you remember the last time that Burnley were f- actual favoured on no. the Asian line against? Against a well-established Premier League team. No, it's it's a long time, isn't it? It is, and you have to sort of, as we always say, Pete, footballers are just like us. They do look at betting lines. So the Burnley players will suddenly go into this game thinking, crikey, we should win this game. And it's a different type of pressure. So that's another reason just to, just to swerve this one. Man City, Leicester next. Uh, City have been fairly dominant in this fixture. They've won four. Leicester have won one. At home to mid-table sides, Man City's record reads 1-8, drawn one, lost one, with six of the eight victories coming by three or more goals. That's that's some form, that is. Uh, Leicester, uh, away at top six sides, 1-2, drawn not, lost eight. Only one of the eight victories was by three or more goals. Both teams are coming off 4-0 victories, uh, um, City away at Newcastle and Leicester home to Newcastle. City, they won their last eight Premier League matches. There is some very good form at the moment. Leicester lost only one of their last five away matches. When top six play mid-table sides over the last five years, 233 matches, 62 times the home side covered the handicap. There were 50 pushes and 121 the away side covered the handicap. Well, you know what I'm going to say. It's got to be Leicester plus two goals. I just can't see a team... You know, I would not, I wouldn't go against a, a team managed by Brendan Rodgers. You know, minus two goals. You know, I, I couldn't back that. Yeah, it's a, it, it's a very interesting conundrum. This, and I wonder how much of of this line is baked into the fact that Leicester hosts Liverpool on um, the twenty eighth. So they've got two days rest before they have a big home game against another one of the best sides in the league. So. 
I'm almost wondering if there's a little bit of sort of guesswork from the bookmakers that Leicester will feel quite a weakened side for this. You can get 16 to 1 on Leicester to win this game outright. Now, we've seen them over the, the last few years have some great results against City. I mean, they hammered them, I think it was 5 2 last season on this ground. So, I don't know. If they pick a really strong side, Leicester, which is sort of debatable whether they will or not, then that 16 to 1 possibly looks a steal. If they don't pick a strong side, then all of a sudden, City minus two becomes a much more palatable sort of option because they've got an extra day's rest before they take Brentford on on Wednesday night. So are more than likely to select a stronger side than Leicester will. The problem is, though, Pete, by the time you know the team lineups, the value will have gone because if Leicester pick a really strong side, the line will probably have moved half a goal, maybe even three quarters of a goal. I mean, what if you knew both sides, Pete, were going to select full strength sides, what do you think this line should be? I think it would be about one and a half, wouldn't it? Yeah. Now, is it worth taking a punt and getting that extra half goal? I don't know. The sheer, the sheer stats and the trends suggest that Leicester are a great bet. But at this time of year, it's just something to bear in mind. The fact that they've got Liverpool two days later, how hard is Rodgers going to go for this game? I don't know. Next up, Norwich-Arsenal. Uh, last time two sides met at Carrow it was a draw. Owns top six sides. Norwich's record is not bad, really. One, two, drawn three, lost two. And none of those defeats, the two defeats, were by two or more goals. They come off a 2 nil defeat at home to Villa. Arsenal away at promoted sides. It's not great. One, two, drawn three, lost five. Uh, both the victories were by two or more goals. They come off a good 4-1 victory away at Leeds. Norwich lost their last three and, and not scored. Uh, Arsenal won their last three. Um, promoted against top six sides uh, in the last five seasons. 102 matches. Uh, it's 33 times the away side won by two or more goals. 26, uh, they won by one. 43 times uh, it was a, a away side or the draw. I don't see any real value in the line here. I, I, I wouldn't want to play this game. I, I, I think I think Norwich, are, well, Arsenal are just too inconsistent as well. They certainly are. I mean, we've seen them in recent weeks really put sort of below average or average teams to the sword. But this is another game where you have to fit factor in the time. I mean, the Arsenal players will be arriving back home in London probably around eight o'clock on Sunday evening. They then have the early kickoff against Wolves on the 28th at 12.30. So their players will be reporting at sort of 9.30, 10 o'clock into the Emirates on Tuesday. So the the time, the rest factor is minimal here. And and since this line's moved from one to one and a quarter, you've got far less leeway in terms of backing Arsenal here. And you'd think, yes, Norwich have a game on Tuesday afternoon away at Palace, factoring in their sort of struggles, you would think they would sort of concentrate on that game more in terms of team selection. But I doubt very much, Pete, many of these smaller teams, when they take on a big team on home soil on Boxing Day, will select an understrength side. It's it's not really what, you know, the history and tradition of English football suggests. So I think Dean Smith will really go all out for this game. But they have only won one of the six games with him in charge, and that was the very first game. 
Now the line's moved, Pete. I, I can't take Arsenal here. It's not moved enough, though, to, to make me be tempted to take the Canary. So it's a pass for me, mate. No, I think if Arsenal win this game, they're on the they're on a good road. You know, they're well, doing saying that they beat who they should beat, and they they should beat Norwich. To be honest, Spurs uh, Palace next. Uh, Spurs have been completely dominant in this fixture. They've won the the, the last five at home to mid table sides. Re- good record: one seven draw, not lost three against mid table sides. One uh, four of the seven victories were by two or more goals. They come off a uh, an entertaining two all draw at home to Liverpool. Palace away at top half sides: one one drawn, two lost seven. Five of the seven have been lost by two or more goals. Come off a two all draw at home to Southampton. Spurs unbeaten in five. They're starting to come into some form now again. Um, Crystal Palace uh, they've lost their last two away matches top half against mid-table sides 390 games over the last five seasons 155 times uh, the home side has won by two or more 71 times they've won by one 164 would draw or away win uh, slight value Spurs here I, I, I would suggest I, I can see them carrying on their their winning ways against Palace I'm a bit frustrated, Pete, that I missed out on the early minus half that was available. Possibly that was more COVID-related ahead of that game last weekend where we didn't really know what was happening. But the opening line was minus a half. It's now moved to minus three quarters. Now, you referenced their Palace have lost the last two away games and, you know, that's not good. But they have still only lost five of 17 away uh, altogether under Patrick Vieira. Yes, they've lost. They've only won four of those, but they have drawn eight. So they are very resilient. The last three wins, though, on this ground for Spurs against Palace, bearing in mind they've won the last five meetings of the side, they've all come by more than one goal. I referenced earlier, Palace have that game against Norwich just two days later. I'm, I will be surprised if Patrick Vieira, being the experienced Premier League campaigner that he is, picks his strongest side this Sunday for Palace. I think there'll be a little bit of yeah, game theory here. Yes, they've started the season well. Yes, they're nine points above the relegation zone. But Vieira's not stupid, Pete. He's a very intelligent man. I think he will clearly prioritise the two games this week. And it won't be this game where I'll be selecting his strongest side. So, I'm tended to agree with you, Pete. Even though the line's moved against you, I still think the value is with Spurs. Here we have another puzzle. This is a puzzler to me. Uh, West Ham against Southampton. The line has moved from minus three quarters to minus a half. West Ham at home to bottom half sides. 1-7, drawn three, lost naught. So it's a, it's a good record. They're coming off a 2-0 defeat away at Arsenal. Southampton away at top six sides. 1-1, one, one, drawn two, lost seven. Coming off a 2 old draw away at Palace. West Ham, they've only won one of their last six matches. They've been in some little bit of funny form recently. Uh, obviously, that's why the line has probably moved. But Southampton, they've only had one point from the last four away. When you look at top six sides at home to bottom half sides in the last five seasons, there have been 298 games, of which the home side have won 201. It's only been 97 draw or away wins. My ratings are suggesting some slight value, West Ham, but Looking at the, the bare facts of this, West Ham looked the side to be on. 
Yeah, it's, it's quite as it, I think the word you used, puzzling Pete, is the, the one to use for this line move because I don't really understand why. Yes, they've they've lost a couple of games West Ham, but none of them have been really bad or catastrophic performances they've put in. You know, last time against Arsenal, they've come up against a, t- a, a good, a decent side in good form. West Ham have won the last four meetings of the sides in East London. Each time they've played Southampton, they've scored three times. And we've always seen historically how generously priced Southampton are away from home. But they've only won one of nine games this season on the road. And yes, they did draw nil-nil at Man City. But I think that's more of an outlier than their natural performances this season. The interesting thing to bear in mind here is West Ham travelled to Watford on the 28th. Now, who knows in terms of whether that game will go on. I'm not 100% sure, Pete, in terms of the, the, the reasons for the Watford cancellation on Boxing Day, whether that's their positive COVID cases or not. That game might be off. Even if it isn't off, I doubt David Moyes will prioritise that game and try and get too cute and try and think of players he wants to have fresh for that game if Watford are fully rested. I think he'll take the option of picking his strongest side for this game, giving themselves the best chance to go into that game on Tuesday with already three points in the bag this festive period. I think West Ham minus a half, Pete, is a cracking bet. By the time we get to the end of the podcast, it'll probably formulated in my mind whether I'm going to put it forward as a full selection, but there's no way I'm taking Southampton here, mate. Villa Chelsea next. Recent head to heads. Villa have won one. Chelsea have won one. Home to top six sides. Villa's record reads 1 3, drawn 0, lost seven. Four of the seven were by two or more goals. They're coming off a 2 0 victory away at Norwich. Chelsea are away at mid table sides. 1 5, drawn three, lost two, of which three of the five victories were by two or more goals. They're coming off a 0 0 draw um, away at Wolves. Villa, very mixed home form. I mean, the last six games, they've won three and they've lost three. Chelsea, though, they've only lost just one of their last 12. The only thing is, though, with Chelsea, I, I, I think they're, I don't know, they're, they're, I don't believe that they'll win the title here. I, I You know, I, I think that is becoming more apparent as the season goes on. Mid-table at home to top six size, 226 matches over the last five seasons, 65 times the away side have won by two or more goals. 49 times they've won by one and 112 times um, uh, the home side have covered the handicap. My ratings are suggesting some value um, Villa, but the only thing I can see, I think this is going to be a game where probably Villa lose, Chelsea win, but I, it, it's questionable whether they'll cover that handicap. Well, Villa did win this fixture 2-1 last season and Chelsea have drawn two straight games against similar opposition in the shape of Everton and Wolves and the line opened a full goal favourite for Chelsea but I think the market's cottoned on to the fact that Villa are quite rejuvenated now under Steven Gerrard it's moved down to minus three quarters and six games into his reign and I know it's a very short sample size but Villa are 6-0 and on this on the handicap line under Steven Gerrard now what does that mean? Well it doesn't really mean that much in such a short space of time. But what it does show is that they are beating the market expectations week on week. And if you can get them over half a goal in, in any situation at the moment, it's something that you must consider. I'm just checking through the fixtures. Villa Villa play, is it Thursday? No, I've got that wrong. Villa, oh yeah, Villa at Leeds on Tuesday. 
So maybe they might think ahead, but I'm not so sure that Steven Gerrard will want to dent the momentum, especially for a home game. Chelsea do have an extra day's rest before they play Brighton on Wednesday night. So you would expect a really strong side from Chelsea, despite Thomas Tuchel's protestations about sort of the lack of players. They will have three nights rest, whereas Villa only have two before their next game. So you'd think from a personnel perspective, Chelsea would possibly select a stronger side than Villa. And that's actually, Pete, what's putting me off here. Next up, um, Brighton-Brentford. Uh, Brighton at home to promoted sides. Not too bad. 1-5 drawn, 3 lost, 2 come for 1-0 defeat at home to Wolves. You know, Brighton now, they're not 1-11. in 11. Uh, And I think they're starting to sort of... They'll have to watch themselves, really, I think. Brentford, uh, they're away form. 1-2 drawn, 4 lost, 2. So it's fairly yeah, resilient, I'd say. They come for 2-1 victory at home to Watford. Uh, Brentford only two points from their last four away, but like I said, still fairly resilient. Mid-table against promoted sides, 145 matches, 84 home wins, 61 draw or away wins. My rating suggesting some value, Brighton, but I, I, I can't take it. I think this could be a draw. Uh, but Brighton, though, I think they've got to be careful. Yeah, I think they do have to be careful. And I'm quite pleased, Peter, because it's gone a little bit quiet on the Western front, Pete. After I tipped up the under-Brighton season-long points, I think it's about 43 off the top of my head. And four of the first five games, I seem to be getting quite a lot of stick uh, online. But it seems to have dissipated, Pete, because I think they've scored about four goals since the sort of fifth game of the season. The problem I have, though, Pete, here, back in Brentford, they, I don't think they're going to win the game. And that's the problem. I don't think they're going to be able to score enough goals or create enough chances to sort of put the Seagulls under too much pressure. And I know they've, they've drawn sort of... They drew 3-3 with Newcastle and drew 2-2 with Leeds in their recent games, Pete. And, and yes, I know that means they've been scoring goals. But I tell you what, Pete, that's a worry. The fact that they've conceded twice at Leeds, three times at Newcastle and three times at Burnley in their last four away games. Throw in a couple at Spurs and all of a sudden that sort of solid defensive shape that they had earlier in the season seems to have dissipated. And for all of Brighton's sort of ills and woes, they don't concede many goals. So, yeah, it wouldn't surprise me if this game ended all square, possibly one all, but the fact that defensively Brentford have, have looked really poor of late means I can't even take them plus a half. Uh, Newcastle, Man United, finally. Um, Newcastle are 1-2. Manchester United are 1-2. Uh, at home to top six sides, Newcastle record is 1-3, drawn one, lost six. Four of the six came by two or more goals. They're coming off a 4-0 defeat at home to Man City. Man United away at bottom six sides. It's a good record. 1-7, drawn two, lost one. But only two of the seven victories were by uh, two or more goals. They come from a 1-0 uh, victory away at Norwich. Newcastle lost their last three, only scoring one and conceding 11. Man United won their last three, coming to some good form. Bottom six at home to top six sides, 186 matches over the last three seasons. 63 times the away side won by two goals, 51 they won by one, and 72 were home side or draw. Slight value, Newcastle, my ratings are suggesting, but you, they're losing, they're conceding for fun. They're losing against these better sides. Well, they're losing against anybody. I, 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 yeah. You, <laughs> 
you can't really touch this game. No, and we've seen Man United won seven of the last nine meetings of the sides. Interestingly, six of those wins for United have come with Newcastle actually scoring in the game. But what we've seen since, and I know we talk about Steven Gerrard's six-game sample size being small. Well, Ralph Rangnick's, it's a two-game sample size. They've won both of them under him. They've both been 1-0 victories, which are good, positive results for United. But both have come against, you know, some of the lower lights of the Premier League in the shape of Palace and Norwich. So, in normal times... You always take a victory in the Premier League, don't get me wrong, but you would expect a team of Man United stature maybe to score more than two goals against games against Palace and Norwich, but they seem almost content to win these games and close them out. And now this line's minus one and a quarter. That really sort of would stop me from backing United here on the handicap line because maybe we're seeing a new era under Rangnick of wanting to sort of... Uh, say grind these games out but be really methodical and sort of just get the win at all costs now both teams don't play again until the Thursday night because this game's been played on the Monday Newcastle have a, a very winnable game at the moment away to Everton so again will Newcastle look to shuffle the pack and maybe concentrate more on the Everton game if they do then clearly they haven't got the personnel available to sort of you know, chop and change four or five players. And if they go weak against United, then they could lose comfortably on this line. But again, it's that uncertainty. So, unfortunately, folks, another game I'm staying well away from. Yeah, it's a, it's a, it, I, I think this is a quite a difficult period. And, and it's, it's not just in this sport. I've, I've noticed, um, you know, on my uh, NFL ratings, I, I mean, you know, I had a, had a good season up until the last couple of weeks, and it's just sort of, and, and really, it's fallen off a cliff. So you have to. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm not using that as an excuse, but you've just you have to be careful who, who's what sides are being you know being fielded here. Yeah. I've got to go Leicester plus two goals away at Manchester City. And that's it for me. <laughs> and that's it. End of. Um, I'm going to dip my toe in the water. Yes, I know they've had a couple of defeats of late, but I don't class them as bad defeats. I'm going to take West Ham minus a half at home to Southampton. The team that are perennially backed off the boards or supported well by the bookmakers on their travels. But I'm going to take Moise's men to sink them. on. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, historically, when teams of those... Uh, you know, levels have met each other. Yeah, the home side do look a good bet there, I'd say. Yeah, and I think they will be sort of chastened by the, the harsh words that have come in for them over the last few weeks. I mean, just looking at the table now, Pete, and where will West Ham sit in? Oh, they are sat in da, 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 fifth. Well, that's not bad for a side like West Ham on Boxing Day. They've come in no. for a bit of stick. They're taking on Southampton at home. The London Stadium will packed. Great atmosphere. Yes. Come on, the Amers. Right. For those that follow us religiously, and I know that there are a, a, a few of you, um, we will record this, the next podcast on Tuesday morning. And I will, I'll hope to get it up by nine o'clock. So you certainly have it before the games kick off. We could do it on Monday, but I think the problem is we need to get through the news of what's happening Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and then we can do a complete um, 
you know, the complete lot of the games then. And then we can start up again for the weekend. But but I think, I think you know, the next podcast will be Friday. But but I think, yes, I was tempted to do the podcast Monday, you know, and, and, and not include the Thursday matches. But I think I think we'll go through the, the, and do the whole um, round when we know what's happening. So it'll be Tuesday morning. It'll be well in time. You know, for the Arsenal Wolves game and the, and, and the three o'clock kickoff. So oh, um, hey, I'll have to get my alarm clock set for Tuesday morning. I'm you, slave driver, man. <laughs> well, well, I link it. Well, you're not at home. Are you? Are you having the days off? Aren't you? Yeah, I'm. I'm not at work, and uh, Lincoln don't play until the Wednesday night. So don't oh, worry, so Pete. Yeah. I'll be well rested for you, mate. Yeah, yeah. Okay then, right. We shall, like I said, we shall see. Have a good Christmas, and we shall speak to you on Tuesday morning. Happy Christmas, folks, and best of luck, everybody. Cheers. <laughs>